Hey everyone, Brett Maddox here. Hope you're doing well. Today we are going to continue our discussion of the document, The Faith Once Delivered, which was produced out of the John Wesley Institute. You can check out our show notes for links to the John Wesley Institute and to this document, which is available for free download. Remember that you can connect with us on social media at Podakesis is where you can find us. You can email us questions at podakesis.com or you can give us a voicemail 404-635-6679. Now, without any further delay, let's start this episode of the Podakesis podcast as we begin our discussion on the eternal, never-changing nature of God. Hello, Podicumans, and welcome to the Podicesis Podcast, a podcast about what Christians believe and why it matters. I'm Brett Maddox. Once again, we're joined by your favorite people in the entire world. I know it to be true. You know it to be true. Ladies and gentlemen, Alan Kaysen and Jim Morrow. Oh, I thought you were about to say Dave Matthews was here. (laughs) It's just us. It's just us. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Living the dream. <laughs> Man, it's fantastic. I'm having a lot of fun um, having these conversations out of the Faith Once Delivered document. Um, it's just great uh, theology and tidbits, modern language. Um, just it's, it's been so inspiring to me. Um, and to see kind of, look, we're got out on YouTube now, as much as I hate looking at my own face. Oh, no. um, people are engaging with it more, which means that we're sharing. There's Brett giving his uh, uh, merch a shot. But, but <laughs> if it's a way to help more people engage and have great meditations and conversations about the faith, Amen. Uh, I'm, I'm just excited about it. It's been really fun for us. Fantastic. I, to, I, I agree with Jim. I do hate looking at his face as well. So, uh, <laughs> That's been the problem since like uh, video conferencing and Zoom came into play in COVID. Like I have never looked at my own face more in my life than I have the past few years. I uh, hate it. You know what I could do is I could uh, hide my own face there, but then I get all weird and self-conscious about it. <laughs> Put like an emoji over your face and just cover Ooh, it on the video. and just Like the like, masked singer. Yes. yes. <laughs> nice. I Who's love that it. behind the pulpit? It's Jim. I think it's Tom Brady, and that's why he missed training. Oh. Yeah, let's not get into (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Let's dive in today, gentlemen. All right. Well, we are continuing our walk, as Jim said, through the Faith Once Delivered document from the John Wesley Institute. By the way, if you want to know where to find that, uh, let's see, where's your finger? Is it right there? At JWI Institute. At JW Institute is where you can find it. That's my bad handwriting, by the way. So you probably amazing. Yeah, I mean that. that yeah, we're that gonna right put there. it in the show notes because Brett show needs to hire notes. a new scribe. <laughs> Actually, that's what our transcriptions are going to start looking like. All this right here. So, anyway, uh, so we are going to today be talking about the uh, continuing our discussion on the attributes of God, and uh, we're going to be looking at God's perfection, His simplicity, and His necessity. Um, and so, God is perfect. Do we believe that? I, I mean, that, that's a. What does it mean? Here, here's. Let me ask this question before I turn Ask this it, over to Alan. Oh I'm so ready. Bring it. Can God create a boulder? Oh goodness, this old thing. So big. Uh huh. That even he can't move it. 
What do you think, Potacumans? You have three seconds to submit your answers before I say... Three, two, one. No. <laughs> well, there it is, people. Uh... That is a logic inconsistency, and it's not possible for God to do something that is outside of God's own character, and therefore it's not possible, period, because the only things that are possible are that which God can do. Mm. Dang. Bang. Boom. Bang. Does that All mean right. that God is deficient? No, it means that our logic is deficient, and the question is not one that is consistent with the nature and character of God. Right. When right. Brett asked that question, all I could think about is the Hulk picking up a big old <laughs> boulder, teaching She-Hulk how to throw things. That's all I could think about. Oh, wow. That's See, a, I haven't watched that yet. I haven't either. Yes, you got to. Well, you don't have to. <laughs> I mean, you, yeah. okay. Yeah, I, I'm going to tell you what, though. I'm going to tell you what, just as we're talking about TV shows for five seconds here, I've been watching me some Rings of Power. And, very, uh, yes, very good. Uh, that's fun. And also, I heard some amazing reviews about the upcoming Star Wars uh, show, Andor. I'm excited about it. What? Okay. Yes. So, um, all, right. all right. So let's get into, is, is, is God perfect? Yeah, let's talk about um, that. Go. So this is uh, paragraph 17 in the document, and it begins by simply saying, God is perfect. Well, uh, God is perfect. God's greatness has no limits and his goodness has no boundaries. God's goodness and greatness are necessary. Indeed, God's very existence and essence are necessary. It is not possible that God could ever cease to exist or fail to be great or good. Man, I just love that. I, just, I know. Just it's so, not possible. The, like, well, just, yeah. like, well, it's just kind of what Jim was saying. It's like, yeah. but I mean, um, and it's necessary for God to exist. Yeah. Um, why is so, that? So there's there's a and I'm going to mess this up. That's fine. Um, I used We're to used be to able it. to uh, <laughs> to do this. <laughs> just mess up. We're just so, used to it. Uh, there is there there's a there's these classical arguments for the existence of God, and I think there are six of them. Um, but one Thomas of them Aquinas is five ways. Um, and one of them is, uh, is is a is a favorite of mine, and it's called the ontological argument, the argument on God's being from His being. Um, and basically, it says that um, uh, that God is the greatest possible being, um, and makes its argument makes the arguments that God reveals Himself, uh, that God's existence is predicated upon Him being. The greatest possible be like his his existence is predicated upon him existing, and so um, it's necessary for God to exist, um, and so uh, God has to exist comes from that. And uh, there's this whole back and forth that went between, um, uh, uh, gosh, I can't even remember who it was, Anselm, I think, Saint Anselm on this, um, and a guy named oh, again, I just can't his name was Stephen. Uh, and Stephen, yeah, we'll go with Stephen. And Selman Stephen. <laughs> and so they, there's the argument, but um, it is an argument from within God's existence um, that He exists. He just necessarily exists because He is the greatest uh, possible being. I have just butchered that ontological argument, and you need to go and look that up on Wikipedia. But it's, uh, <laughs> but that has always been that one of my favorite because it's uh, for God to exist. Or to to understand God's existence um, comes from the fact that God does exist. So. Yeah, and let's remember to the word necessary. Um, we think about it like, hey, man, it just has to be like. There's no other option. Um, that there are mm -hmm. some philosophical terms behind this. Mm -hmm. So the opposite of necessary is contingent. 
in the mm-hmm. classic yeah. classic philosophy and classic theology. Right. So not like necessary and unnecessary, right? Um, but necessary and contingent. So God isn't contingent upon anything. Nothing mm-hmm. else has to happen for God to be necessary. And so God's goodness is necessary. It is not contingent upon anything. It simply is. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's a little bit of background on the Classic. And that goes back to our uh, last episode. God is self-sufficient. Right. He doesn't need anything to exist. Right, right. Uh, here, here's a, a quick sentence to help it. Necessary facts are those that could not have failed to be facts. So it is, it is impossible for God to not be good, uh, uh, good and great Perfect. in this particular sentence. So l- l- let me ask this then, just kind of bringing it to the to the. Let's take pra- it to a vote. Alan, can he ask it? Yes, he can. Uh, we'll allow it. Okay. okay, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, so, <laughs> so the um, what are some ways we try to limit God? Then, like, and I'm not talking about in the, um, I, I don't know, just kind of what what are some ways in our belief, in our in our actions that we in our understandings of God that we we try to put limits on God? Uh, let, let me give a brief, very brief, and I'll turn it over because I know I talk too much. Um, I want to do it from a non-antagonistic angle. Okay? Yes, that's perfect. Um, as in, like, not attacking people who try to put God in a box. That's the, uh, Okay, yeah. So God's goodness is so great and necessary, it's hard to understand. For example, if you're in a place in your, in your life for a moment where it's hard to sense that there's nothing good happening, right? It's right, hard yeah. to understand that God is good and what mm-hmm. that means. Um, another way is if we have a sense of guilt, shame, or brokenness about us, which happens frequently in a person's life, uh, to not understand that the goodness of God would still, you know, that God is so good that he would still call out to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are those kinds of things that are important. The other is that we just simply have a different, def- uh, our definition of what is good is derived on the ultimate goodness of God. Right. So all we see are sh- are shades and shadows of goodness. Mm. Uh, everything that is good, like hey, this uh, this coffee I'm drinking is good. Yeah, that is but a shadow and a sign <clears throat> of God's greatest goodness. But right now, it's the best thing I've ever had, and right. it is the ultimate good. Right. So my so, ultimate good, it doesn't reach a high enough ceiling. So yes. I guess another way of thinking about this, so I I would say that our our sin keeps us from from seeing how good God is. Or, or limiting us to, um, to believe that God would not want the best for us. Um, I guess I'm trying, you know, in the, in, in our circumstances, our life circumstances, we may be in a place, like you said, where things are not going good, and so it's hard to see the goodness of God, mm-hmm. and so blinded, we're blinded to um, God's goodness and greatness. And necessity, mm-hmm. um, and there's also just the limitation of being creatures. Um, we a creature meaning created thing, not like cockroaches. Um, just the limitation of being creatures. Right. Like, what can I conceive of as good? There is still good, more good than that. Yeah, and that's that's, and I, I appreciated what you were saying about um, not attacking people, and that's not really the reason I was asking the question. No, I of guess for. Not. I guess for me, it was more of um, I, I see us limiting God when we try to bring God down to our level to put constraints on Him, um, to put um, 
um, even the language you use we use about God has a, a uh, can be can be problematic from from time to time if we don't have a proper understanding that God is not limited by our language. Right. So, and uh, and just yeah. again, it's not that we are always trying to limit God. It's just it is a natural outcome, right. outflow of what it is. Right. Um, well, and like our I, idea I, of well, our idea of goodness is relative, right? It's relative to um, to you and to Brett, and um, you know, it's, it's to our neighbor, to the the, the news, um, and so, um, but none of that compares to the perfectness the goodness of god and so we are our just understanding of what good is because mm-hmm. how many times do we say that guy's a good guy oh he's mm-hmm. a good guy oh, she's a she she's a good woman she's i mean um but what are we we're comparing that to one another mm-hmm. when uh, well the, frankly none of us are good compared to the goodness of god right um and right. that gets into jesus and and the need for salvation and all that but um we just don't have we're just we are finite creatures, and we don't have um, um, we don't have a full understanding of what good is. Mm. Right. Anything that is good is only good because God is first good. Mm. Anything that we think, feel, or understand is good. We only think, feel, or understand that because we have a notion that there is some greatest good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, when we when we have a sense of that, we can we can expand um, towards God. Mm-hmm. The next paragraph gets into something that I know Jim has been really big on lately. He's actually been helpful for me in thinking through this this type of thing. I um, mean, that's the simplicity of God, and uh, simplicity might not actually mean what you think it means. So, uh, take it away. All right, this is uh, paragraph eighteen. Um, just like. 17, God is simple, Mm -hmm. Uh, which means that God is not composed of extended parts or pieces. Mm. God is not built out of elements or attributes that are distinct from him. God is his goodness and greatness. Mm. Yeah. The phrase God is simple kind of puts people off a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a, there's the doctrine comes out of classical theism. And I think most people hold it though they might but uh you know kind of resist the language god is simple does not mean that god is easy to understand right that god is not complex right um it simply means that god is not composed of anything god is pure being right we are composed of things and it's not just cells and you know organs and things like that um we are composed by the intention of god the material which we're created right. and the purpose right. to which right. we are created right god simply is right um so there's you can't reduce god to component parts we, when we say God is love, we're not saying that God is made of love, but we're saying that love emanates from God, and we get our definition of love from who God is, right. et cetera, et cetera. Hey, everyone, we will return to the show in just a moment. We just wanted to take this time and tell you about some of our favorite people. As you know, the Podakesis podcast is a proud member of the Spirit and Truth podcast network. Spirit and Truth is a movement of Wesleyan-minded Christians seeking to awaken and equip the 21st century church through the power of the Holy Spirit to share the gospel and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. We long to see a new movement of Christians who are empowered by the Spirit, rooted in truth, and mobilized for the mission. For more information and resources, visit 
www.spiritandtruth.life. Did want to mention that the Spirit and Truth Conference is on the calendar, so make sure it's on your calendar, March 9 through 11 in Dayton, Ohio. That's March 9th through the 11th in Dayton, Ohio. And so we hope to see you there. I know we're going to be there, and it's going to be awesome. And now let's continue our conversation about the nature of God. And yet God intentionally reveals himself in such a way that we can talk about him even with our limited language. And so that's why it is appropriate to say, you know, to give God, I think, a pronoun like he or whatever, because that's, that's how he's revealed. This is how it's done. Um, and to talk about, you know, the, the, the arm of the Lord or something like that. You know, God doesn't have an arm, but there's an appropriate language to use when talking about certain aspects of God and our relationship with God and how we relate to God and, and correspond about God. But I do think that one of the things that can be harmful is our use of anthropological language about God, because we can get so locked into thinking that this is the form that God takes, right? Like this is the, uh, that God is this old man in the sky with a long beard and, and, you know, uh, just kind of the popular notion of what God might be like, or that he's Morgan Freeman or that he's, you know, whatever. Um, but God reveals himself to us. He, he, he shows us selves to us and he gives us language to use, to talk and to relate to him. But we should always remember that he's not necessarily composed of those things. Right. And it's not even just like, um, arms and legs and things of that nature. Right. Um, it's a way of reflecting upon God's pure being. And it's, mm -hmm. it's almost another way of talking about his immutability. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and and to really grab a hold of this, you'll want to go back and read uh, Aristotle, which I know you all are itching to, just absolutely <laughs> Ooh, itching yeah, to. Sign me up. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> but God, but God is pure act. God is mm -hmm. pure being. Yeah. God is not irreducible. God has attributes that we can observe that look like parts of God, but God is not composed mm. of anything other than God Himself. Yes. I love I love the last sentence. God is his goodness and greatness. Right. Like it's kind of like God is love. I mean God that's is right. God is love, right? Goodness. Yeah. God is that's that's who he is. That's who he is. Yeah. Um and, and then again that's hard for us to even wrap our heads yeah, around. Our word will fail because if I say God right. is goodness, then I will say I understand what goodness is. Based Basically. on my yeah. understanding, right. yeah. Uh, yeah. even as right. great brain powers we might have, right? Um, and then that doesn't mean that that is God. Yeah. But God is, therefore, greatness is God is all of that. So a definition of greatness or definition of goodness or of love emanates from that, right? And that is God is pure that, right? So it's the difficulty is when I say God is love. This is one of the difficulties we have in. Uh, you know, living out Christian faith, period, is to say, well, God, the Bible says God is love, and therefore I know what love is and what love means to me, and therefore that is God. Right. Mm -hmm. It's it's really the other way around. Um, but God purely is. God right. is his greatness and goodness. God is God's love. Right. God is not um, composed by um, his, like we are in terms of, material and act intention and and god simply is so how should we talk about god then how should we talk about a simple like what what are some 
when I when I think about this, um, you know, you know, of course, I think the language we we have that comes from Scripture is helpful, kind of the descriptions of God and and kind of that relationship. But uh, you know, should we? How should we be mindful? What you know? Are there any practices? Like one of the things I'm thinking about is uh, centering prayer, which Brian Russell brought you know to our episode when he wrote his book. Uh, centering prayer where we're just quiet and we allow our thoughts to be take to be overtaken by just the very presence of God. We return them over to Him might be a good way to practice relating to this quote unquote simple God. Yeah. Um struggling with the question a little bit because it's not meant to say that God is simple and such like it's simple to interact with with God. Right. Um so I'm going to have to let y'all let you kind of talk to us about what you what your thoughts are there and then see if I can I, help. I think for me it's just to questions. just to be aware of some of the danger of using the languages that the language that we have about God to box him in to say that God is just like this, that our language is just limited. It just is limited. And yet God has given us language to talk about him, but it is limited just always to be aware of that, I guess. Sure. Sure. Uh, Let me see if I can wrap up a little more simply about what it means at the classic theism that God is simple. Um, God is not made up of God's attributes. God's attributes, God is identical to his attributes. Yes. Okay, God is not metaphysically made up of different parts. Um, that doesn't mean that God is simple, but it means that God simply is. There mm. are no properties of God that are unnecessary or derived from anything else. That means that God is um, purely the divine nature of God. That becomes important later when we talk about the persons of the Trinity. God is not composed of three persons. God simply is. Yeah. It's also to say that um, when we talk about God being unchanging or God being omnipotent, which we'll talk about in a future episode, God is his omnipotence. It's not a quality of God. It is. God is his omnipotence, but he's also his omnipresence. So what we're trying to do is just make sure that um, we know that while we are composed of, say, our uh, essence and substance and existence, they're not all the same thing. God simply is. God is not simple to understand. God is not also, God is very complex in terms of mental framework. But by the nature of God, God is what God is, period. I am who I am. There yeah. you go. That's yeah. perfect. Yeah, I mean, perfect. So what what is the, what why why would that be why is that such an important thing I mean um, it distinguishes God from other creatures from creatures, from creatures because creatures right. are made up of um, right. uh, you know our properties aren't necessary like we could not exist right right exactly it's not necessary that I exist it's necessary that God exists exactly um, my substance I'm made of substance and uh, essence that God has created God simply is God is not made up that same way. <clears throat> It's a little, it's a little, it's a little tricky. I'm, I am personally interested mm-hmm. that this concept of divine simplicity is in the document the faith once delivered. I love it personally, yeah, yeah, because it harkens back to 
early Christian thought all the way back into when Christians were starting to mingle with Greek philosophy as a way to explain right. theology. That's really part of who it is. So um, I'm committed to reaching back out to some of the folks who are who are involved in this. Hey, man, I'd really love to hear um, about why this was an important doctrine to put in here, because it's not in it's not in a lot of doctrinal statements of churches. Mm-mm. But without divine simplicity, a lot of things fall apart. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't have you have a modalist trinitarianism. Yeah. Uh, and at, yeah, and that 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 was part of my questioning on all this is exactly how you answered all that. So thank you. I have no uh, idea what I just said. I, no one really does. So, anyways. <laughs> Yeah, I do, Jim. I appreciate you. I appreciate you, Jim. Yes. All right. Let's go to the next one. Jim's like, I'm done with you. Um, (laughs) Paragraph 19. God is necessarily and perfectly good. God does not just happen to be good. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. 1 John 1, 5. Mm -hmm. There's no possibility that God is anything other than perfect goodness. Mm. And God is love. 1 John 4, 8. God loves the world. Because of his divine nature, God's very essence is holy love. Charles Wesley wrote, Thy nature and thy name is love. Mm-hmm. Wrestling Jacob. Mm-hmm. There you go. Hey, there's a little bit of a Wesley. Uh, mm-hmm. You can see the Wesleyan influence popping out here. Oh, yeah. Um, because Wesley really grabbed a hold of these statements from 1 John quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, here we go, resting on them again. Mm-hmm. It's again, and I think we've we've hit on this, but again, the necessity of God, he's necessarily good, he's and perfect, he's necessarily and perfectly good. So what does it mean that God is perfectly good? What are the standards by which his goodness are to be uh, can be judged? Um, well, the standards are within himself, right? Like it's uh, it's it's within his nature. Um, and I again, when we look at, how God is revealed throughout Scripture, for example, you may say, well, these actions of God are not the actions of a good God. But when we make that judgment, we're making that judgment not based upon anything other than our judgment of goodness, our definition of goodness. And that becomes problematic. That becomes, we become the arbiters of what is good, what isn't good. And thus, honestly, at that point, we we put ourselves at least on equal footing of God, if not above God, when we become the judge of God's goodness. I love the line, there is no possibility that God is anything other than perfect goodness. Yeah. Like, there's no there's no possibility. There's, there's yeah. only God's per, just, God is perfect goodness. Just shut it down, right? Just shut it down. <laughs> so... <laughs> um, so well, and that's that's a classic Christian statement brought forward from revelation and uh, of God yeah. through Scripture, et cetera. It's it's just what we what we have learned and know. So I have personally, I have found when we talk about God, and you you talk about we talk about these um, his attributes. Um, I have found that uh, there are certain ways to talk about him that are helpful for me. Um, that helped me kind of get my mind around this. And one of the ways, and I'm going to hearken back to uh, uh, an author that I mentioned in the last episode, Thomas Oden, in his uh, in his volume on the living God. Go ahead, Jim. 
No, that's all right. I was just going to make another joke about uh, Odin and mythology, but yes. I, I lost o- it. Odinson, yeah, it's gone, <laughs> gone. So um, he, Od- Odin brings up uh, the classic ways of talking about God. So like one is through analogy. That was a, a, a way of talking about God was through analogy. Um, one is talking about um, thinking, trying to put levels on like of God's great, just kind of working as high up as you could just to keep moving on when you're talking about like his goodness, his greatness, whatever. But one that I have found most helpful for me is to talk about um, the attributes of God in um, to talk about like the negative, like God is not, God is not. Um, and that's been helpful for me. And in fact, I'm just going to read this um, to give an example. Uh, Odin writes, um, here, as in the negative way, there is um, there is in God no finitude, mm-hmm. um, no temporal restriction, no limited locality. There are no limits to God's knowledge of the world and humanity. So you're just putting in the the negative there that helps kind of just even accent his greatness. Um, no, there is no way to escape the presence of the living God. God knows our human down uh, down sittings and uprisings, actions and movements. God is acquainted with our habits or ways or plans or despairs. If at times we may deceive our fellow creatures, um, we cannot deceive God. Uh, to speak rightly of God, we must first rule out all conceptions that imply unself-imposed limitation. The negative way attempts to do this in a disciplined and deliberate way. It is a way of knowing what God is not, which becomes an important avenue toward reliable knowledge of what God is. And so that's become helpful for me when I think about God, when I think about the nature of God, is to start just saying God is not, God is not, God is not. And then the, you get to, I, I get a bigger picture of what God is in his, in his greatness and in his grandeur. Yeah, that's two trajectories of understanding God by what God, by what we know God is, and then by inference, what we know God is not, mm-hmm. it helps paint the full picture. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So, uh, man, this might be actually a shorter, uh, Jim's playing with the okay. So those of you, <laughs> so those of you who are listening to us on the audible version of this, um, this is uh, this may not make any sense, but Jim is playing around with his filters on <laughs> on Zoom, <laughs> and so our YouTube folks are just realizing that Alan and I are kind of speechless at what's happening. Uh, so. I don't even know what's happening. <laughs> huh? Huh? What's going on? What? What? Huh? Yeah. Can we wrap this up in a little, not wrap it up, but like, these are heady concepts, right? Okay. So why does this matter? Yeah. Okay. Why does this matter? Why does this matter? The last episode, this episode, talking about the attributes of God. I mean, let's just bring it down. Let's, 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 uh, Let's all tap into our inner Tony Miltenberger, who uh, is a friend of the podcast, Spirit and Truth Network, who always asks that question of, okay, so why does this matter? Like, what? give me practical, everyday Christian discipleship reasons why this matters. And I think for me, it matters in the sense that it helps clarify. It helps bring... It helps shape my thinking about God. 
Uh, I think about what is it uh, Paul says in Romans 12. He says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed, um, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may know the will of God, his good and pleasing will. Like this is one of those places that it's a... I'm just wearing a graduation hat on Zoom now because I've been transformed by the renewing of my mind. So oh, there you go. Wow. My moment. <laughs> He's just found that the filters like this is going to be fun. Anyway. Um, just for inside baseball, this is what happens when we record two podcasts in one day. So <laughs> the second one, you can always tell the second one. But this is one of those places that the renewing of the mind part, right? This is getting our head like like having a good right thinking this is where right thinking is so important to our faith for me personally yeah so why does it why does it matter alan um i think i've been thinking about what paul says in acts that in him we live and we move and we have our being yeah um I only exist, and this goes back to last episode too. I only exist because God exists, mm-hmm. because God um, has always been, will always be, and and in His goodness, He chose to create me mm-hmm. and create you and create us. Right, and um, only in Him and through His Son do I have life and being. Mm-hmm. Um, and only in Him do I understand. Do I have any inkling of what goodness is? Um, and and so I think it's my job then to help to try to see through the lens of the perfect God. Um, and that's practically that's done in multiple different ways and uh, means of grace, spiritual disciplines, whatever you want to call them. Um, but it is just a I don't know. It's just, it's that humbling reminder that um, I'm only here because the perfect God exists and has always existed and chose to, chose to create me. Hmm. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Not everything that we want to learn, you know, that we need to learn about somebody is something that we want to learn, but we have to learn it in order to love them. Ooh. Um, Ooh. Like, well, God, what does it matter? Cause I only care about what God can do for me, but wow. Um, to think about and reflect and meditate upon who God is mm-hmm. is, an, is an act of worship. Mm-hmm. This isn't a mental exercise, though it involves our mind. Mm-hmm. Do not be surprised that worship involves your mind. Mm-hmm. You who are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Mm-hmm. Um, it's your spiritual it, act of worship. I mean, that's Paul in that yeah. Romans 12 yeah. passage. That yeah, that's your out. spiritual yeah. act of worship. Yeah. And so to meditate upon the things of God given to us by scripture, the revelation of God and handed down to us from others helps us. It just really helps to raise our awareness of God and our attention on God. And you can meditate more on the glory of God when you recognize how holy other than us God is and who God is. You can't worship God in his splendor if you just aren't thinking about what that means. Mm -hmm. Because all you'll then be doing is, you know, worshiping, praising God for the thing that you think he did for you. Mm. Um, you can't worship God for who God is if you don't have a sense of who God is. And if you're only worshiping God for what God is doing for you, then you're really not, you're really missing out on the fullness of faith. And then again, as, as the TFOD, which is what I call the faith once delivered now, as TFOD 
has shown us to understand what it means to be created in the image of God, we should really understand God. Mm -hmm. And to meditate upon who God is gives me deeper knowledge of myself. Mm -hmm. Draws me into worship, into, into glory, brings my mind into things of heaven, mm -hmm. and it changes my heart because where my mind goes, the rest of me goes. Mm. Corrects misconceptions that I have. You know, we don't always have like wrong thinking by choice. You know, our bodies are complex. Our minds are complex. Um, we can get into stinking thinking about our experiences in God all the time. Mm -hmm. And to have a recalibration by saying, God, I'm going to let you tell me who you are. Mm -hmm. It affects my spiritual life. It affects my attitude. It affects the way I'm going to move in the world for the next 15 minutes. Um, so it matters, um, not because it's important to be right. Like, you know, that's fine. Um, it's more important to gaze upon the God who is and to do that with the fullness of our being. And therefore, we can love God and live with a Godward gaze um, towards God in all things. That's my spiel. Yeah. I, um, as you were saying that, I was thinking of a prayer that I, I heard someone pray once where they said, uh, forgive us or forgive us. Um, uh, said, she, she said, uh, correct any lies we have said about you and any misunderstandings we have about you. Um, and that's just always kind of been with me. I'm sure that maybe even, maybe not even purposefully, but Lord, help correct any, anything I've just even misunderstood. Yeah. So um, that's good. That's good. Well, uh, this has been fun, man. This has been good. I, I'll just kind of, just kind of give a, personal confession here. I, I kind of came into uh, recording this morning, not feeling great allergies and, and stuff and just kind of upset stomach and whatnot. And just my head in a million different places. Um, but it's great when you start talking about the God who loves us, the God who is bigger than us, grander than us, perfect. Um, how there's a, a sense of calmness and, and, and peace that surpasses all understanding. I can't, I can't, but I've even just talking about him as I, I just feel better, mm -hmm. I just feel better. Um, yeah. Amen. All right. Well, Potty Humans, it's been good to be with y'all. We look forward to coming back soon um, and to continue this conversation of the attributes of God. We're going to be looking at in the next episode um, God's um, omniscience, his omnipresence, and his omnipotence. And that's going to be that's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, Jim's got pizza on the head. So at that is that pizza or is that a party hat? Man, I can't... It's a pizza party hat because a... when we come back, we're going to be partying, talking about the Lord. Okay. Ooh. And eating pizza? I mean, I'm down. <laughs> Sounds good to me. All right. We'll talk to y'all later. Y'all have a good one. As we end this episode, we will have all the links mentioned in the episode, particularly those links pertaining to the John Wesley Institute and the document, The Faith Once Delivered, available uh, in our show notes. That uh, document, The Faith Once Delivered, is available for free download. So just click on that link and go download it, and you will have that resource. It's fantastic. Uh, be sure to hit us up on social media. At Potechesis is where you can find us. You can find us on our website, podbean.com and you can listen to us wherever you get your podcast. So share us with your friends and tell them just to find us 
wherever. You can leave us a voicemail, uh, 404-635-6679, or leave us an email, questions at podikesis.com. And as always, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple iTunes, which helps us out there. We greatly appreciate it, and we greatly appreciate you. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. Have a good one, and God bless. God bless.